Welcome to This Is Comp, a series of Discord and Rhyme minisodes where we talk about various artist compilations song by song. You can get access to these episodes six weeks early by donating to our Patreon at the $3 level at patreon.com forward slash discord pod. I'm Ben Marlin and I'm joined by Rich Bennell and Mike DeFabio. If you're on Twitter, say hi to us at at discord pod. And you can also email us at discordpod at gmail.com. We welcome feedback, especially if you're nice about it. Primarily if you're nice about it, really. <laughs> We're currently deep into the third disc of Nuggets, original artifacts from the first psychedelic era, 1965 to 1968. In this episode, we're going to cover Disc 3, Tracks 16 through 23. Let's do it. Track 16 is Psycho by the band The Sonics. Return of the Sonics. So we first heard from the Sonics on disc two with Strychnine, and someone at Rhino apparently thought it was a grievous error that the Sonics weren't on original Nuggets, because there are three songs on disc two through four, and they're all basically the same. <laughs> I, I personally don't like this one as much as Strychnine, or the one... Actually, I don't remember the one on disc four, so uh, forget I said that. I think they're... What do you guys think? I think they're all great. I mean, Strychnine is my favorite, but this song's great too. I mean, it's... They just had such a great sound. That's... The, the guy screaming up front, the, the big honking saxophone. It sounds like everything, they, they recorded everything just in the red all the way up. It, this one has that, that cool, the, the hook is basically the drum fill and it, and the guy yelling. Like that's, 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 that's and, and it's got a key change. It does. That's, Ooh, I missed that. that's rare for a nugget. It does. <laughs> well, especially one of this like primitive nature. Yeah. There's a certain sort of nugget where it sounds like it it was just it was written in a hurry just so the band could have an excuse to rock, and uh, yeah, that's a key change is is like that's that's finesse for a song like this. Also, I should point out this song was used uh, to memorable effect in the film Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, uh, if, oh. if you've ever seen that. And the term "psycho" was new to the popular popular lexicon at the time. It was, yeah. That I didn't know. Well, or, or at least my reading of it because of the movie in 1960. I'm being an amateur historian here. Yeah, that was only five years old at the time. What was the really bad nugget we covered? I guess that could be. Uh, but no, none of them have been bad, Ben. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the, the less great nugget uh, where it was like a, a term of derision for people with low IQ. Oh, spaz. Oh, spaz. <laughs> yeah, that's what makes me think of this. It's, it, it's not a good song. I mean, I'm not saying it's a bad nugget. I mean, Mike is in, is completely right. It's it's exciting. The drum fills are great. I like the on the edge vocal, but 
it sounds like a three-year-old wrote this <laughs> or, or like if you added up every rock and roll melody and lyric ever written and then took the average of them, this is what would come out. Um, so it's great rock and roll, but there's no inspiration. There's no creativity. And, and those things do matter. It's, it's not just energy. So it's a classic nugget, but I also get why it's not. It hasn't been a radio hit because there's, there's just not much to it. Yeah, to me, this is kind of an episode where we're really going to start to see the musical limitations of garage rock, honestly. Uh, we keep whining over and over again that I wish that we wish it was Nuggets 2. Um, and this is, uh, this is kind of a song that is like, oh, this again <laughs> for me. <laughs> I, I think, uh, you know, I, I might be, of the people on this podcast, I might be the one who uh, most uh, highly values the, the cathartic possibilities of just making a big, loud racket. And that's so I I might like the uh, the songs on the the noisier end of Nuggets for for that reason. I don't know. Well, when we were talking about astronomy in the Blue Oyster, Blue Oyster Cult episode, it made me think that uh, one problem I have is that I listen to basically everything on headphones, and I need to sometimes really let it reverberate. And I think this is a case where I should have done that, and it would have hmm. uh, it would have had a heavier impact for me. Maybe. Yeah, there's not a lot of nuance, but it definitely it has that energy. It's 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 a kind of an explosion that I guess isn't going to work over headphones. Track seventeen is the song "So What," and that's with two exclamation points by the band The Lyrics. Got to let you know. So random. I love it. <laughs> like the rest of the lyrics might be kind of out of time, and they could they, it could be a protest song or like a, a takedown at any decade. But then you have the bomb yeah. shelter in the backyard it's like this is not from the 2000s so the lyrics are one of the only bands on nuggets that didn't end up with their own wikipedia page so researching them was challenging because that's pretty much all i know how to do <laughs> the lyrics were a san diego area band that included michael allen and billy garcia on guitars danny garcia on bass gary neves on drums and and chris gaylord on vocals and harmonica in 1965, Gaylord wrote the garage rocker So What that the band released as a single. Danny Garcia had founded the lyrics several years earlier, and he favored a more harmony-filled Mexican sound than the one that Gaylord was going for on So What. Differences like this caused Chris Gaylord and Michael Allen to leave the band in 1966. Presumably, the rest of them went on to found Los Lobos or something like that. I don't know because none of this is on Wikipedia. I don't believe anything I say here. <laughs> no fake band history. <laughs> I like this one a lot. Uh, it is not brilliant, but if it was, I guess it would have been disqualified from Nuggets. Uh, 
but it is still exciting as hell. I love the harmonica because it is simultaneously lyrical and anarchic. I like the indignant vocals. Uh, I like the insistent rhythm and somehow the space in the arrangement. Um, it sounds like a lot of other nuggets, but it just sound, it stands out for me. It's lean and it's effective, even among garage rock songs. It is very effective. Like, this song doesn't have... It doesn't really do a whole lot. Like it's just it's got it's got two verses and a lot of harmonica blowing, but it it doesn't do anything badly. Everything in it is is it all works. And it's you know, it's taken down some snooty rich jerk face, so that's fun too. <laughs> With a really, bomb shelter. I really like the line about I, I like it's got uh the line uh, you've got an electric typewriter, so you don't have to work a lot. <laughs> Which is, I just love it because uh, you know th- this was a time when I mean, if you if you had an electric typewriter, that was like the fanciest thing you could own. And nowadays, if you get a if you get a text message from somebody and it's green, then that means they're not worth your time. <laughs> so <laughs> take that, professional novelists. Yeah, I got a lot more into this one just right now as I was listening to it with uh, with you two. I think it doesn't. I think it's more suited to that atmosphere rather than just you know me sitting down alone with my monocle and quill pen <laughs> analyzing. Yeah. So what by the lyrics? <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of a problem with uh, with pr- with preparing for the Nuggets episodes. In fact, I think there's a fundamental issue with this entire series, guys. I'm sorry. We need to scrap <laughs> all of them. <laughs> Delete them all. <laughs> anyway, I'm a, I'm personally a big fan of uh, two exclamation points, and I use it all the time in informal communication. Uh, I mean, you you both talk to me on Slack. You know how how it goes. <laughs> hey guys. Um, hey Rich. I I use them all the time in formal communication. <laughs> in, in in your memos. Yeah. <laughs> Makes them more exciting. Dear Mr. President. <laughs> Yeah, good song. Uh, uh, it mostly makes me think of other songs, though. Like, the title obviously brings to mind the Pink song, and I guess there's a Miles Davis one with that title, too. Oh, yeah. Who cares? Sort of. <clears throat> <laughs> and right off the bat, the vocalist has me thinking about NXS, which uh, Ben and I have a, a very extensive history with NXS. It's right. random. They're not great, but I love them. We'll get into it <laughs> one day. I think, I think I have the album X on our very distant future schedule. Yeah. Yeah, they're a great like a band for when you want to, for when you want to explore the cutout band in extreme detail, <laughs> which I know Ben likes to do. Yes. Anyway, that's all I have to say about the lyrics. Really, the other thing I wanted to point out is that if you if you look for this song on if if you search for this song on YouTube, uh, you've got to scroll down to like the eighth video or something if you don't want a, a lyric video of "So What" by Pink. Which I had never heard of. Na 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 na. I want to start a fight. It's that one, right? Yeah, that's. Oh. Those are the only words in the song. I'm not the optimist that you are. I don't know that one, but I don't particularly like that song. Oh. But I know it exists. Yeah. Um. Let's no get this party started. I heard the one that she did with the vocalist from Fun with a period. Uh, it might have even been a couple years ago. That's how long it takes me to get around to new music. But it's a good song. I like that one. Maybe if Fun had two exclamation marks in their name, I'd be more into them. <laughs> yeah, and they wouldn't just do, like, boring piano ballads and stuff. Yeah. Anyway. Man, Rich <laughs> hates everything good. <laughs> yeah, I hate Fun. Uh. <laughs> period. I haven't. I actually don't really have much of an opinion about Fun, period. I haven't heard very yeah, much by them. Either. No, I mean, you're, you're, you're sort of on the right track there, but 
it's good. It's they're melodic piano ballads, and they have some energy, but they're also melodramatic. I, I'm a sucker for it, kind of like early Ben Folds. Oh, okay. Well, we've taken the title "So What" and just you know taken it down the rabbit hole of music, like yeah. we do. <laughs> Let's go on to track 18. Then the song "You Must Be a Witch" by the Lollipop Shop, and that is shop with S H O P P E. In case you were wondering, because they're fancy. <laughs> Vegas in 1966 as The Weeds by singer Fred Cole. Other members were Eddie Bowen and Ron Bazell on guitars, Bob Atkins on bass, and Tim Roxon on drums. So you got Bazell on guitar and Roxon on drums. Very well-named hmm. musicians. Hilariously, all the members of The Weeds were scared of being drafted and sent to Vietnam, so they hightailed it to Canada but they ran out of money in Portland, Oregon, stuck around, and built up a local following. Being scared of the draft, Ben, that's hilarious. <laughs> the fact that they were trying to get to Canada, but they didn't make it there, I think it's funny. <laughs> they signed with Uni Records, and they gained a manager, Lord Tim Hudson, who was from Cheshire, England, but not anything approaching an actual lord. <laughs> Hudson told the band to get with the 60s man and change their name to the Lollipop Shop, S-H-O-P-P-E, so they did. The Lollipop Shop recorded two singles and an album in the late 1960s and early 1970s. Then, presumably, they were all drafted and sent to Vietnam because Portland is in the United States and the government knows it's there. One Lollipop Shop single was 1968's You Must Be a Witch, and it is weird stuff. It gets points for weirdness, definitely. The guitar tone is satisfying and scraggly, and the band does work up some good energy, but... It lumbers. It doesn't have much momentum. To me, it's it's like a third of a great song stretched out and diluted so it fit the length of a 45. It's the guitar tone, and that's it, at least to me. Oh, really? I, I, I didn't remember this one at all before this re-listen, but I found it so refreshing and, like, full. Yeah. Like, so many Nugget songs feel Ooh. like toss-offs, and this one just feels like such like a big full meal, like a steak or something. Uh, like, I love the way that, that the guitar line follows the vocals. It makes it just feel so just, like... I don't know. It's just it, it's such a rich experience, and I like rich experiences. I I can't believe I did I did that. <laughs> I like food synesthesia. Food, I didn't know that was a thing. Food synesthesia. Yeah, I, I guess the song kind of looks like a steak. I don't know. It doesn't. <laughs> That's uh, quit putting images in my head, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> this this has always been one of my favorite nuggets. I love this one. It's uh it's every it's, it's everything uh, Rich was describing. It's 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 big and full and 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 meaty sounding and it's just so i think of this as sort of like a precursor to like this year's model era elvis costello 
just in how. Oh, no wonder Ben hates it. <laughs> yeah, and you hate that. Album. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't sound. Richie, it doesn't know me. sound like an Elvis Costello song, but it's got just the bitterness. It's so pissed off and hurt, and it's full of that of adolescent angst, but not in like a melodramatic way. It just feels really real and raw, like it actually like like the feelings of an actual just angsty teenager. Uh, and it's it, it works itself up to that climax at the end where he's saying, "I never want to be like you," and then everybody in the background is, "No, no, no!" And it just it it's got it's so I think it's got a lot of momentum. I think it's very propulsive, and I I think it's a a, a compelling piece of garage rock. I I will end it that way. A compelling slice. A of compelling slice. Rock. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Of uh, it's a prime rib. That's right. It is. <laughs> I love the song that Mike described. I just didn't hear it. uh, (laughs) You must be a witch. Well, I will say that these guys sound in no way like any lollipop shop I've ever been to, especially not (laughs) one with an E on the end. Yeah, you'd think a band called the Lollipop (laughs) Shop would sound like real, like, I'm imagining, like, you know, the kinks at their their most foppish, you know? Like, yeah, not not like this. That that first Mojo Men song, uh, what is it, the cover of Sit Down, I Think I Love You. All right, let's go on to track 19, A Question of Temperature by The Balloon Farm. So that's where they come from. (laughs) There's a sudden rise in the mercury. There's a thumping in my heart. It just had to be heat wave hurricane whirling in my head. Disposition just hanging by thread. Is it a question of love? <laughs> Is it a state of mind? No, 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 no. It's a question of. It's, it's a, a question of. It's a question of. It's a question of. Of temperature. Yeah. Oh yeah, it sounds like balloons. Theremin balloons. <laughs> oh, I didn't even notice that. That's cool. A Question of Temperature by the Balloon Farm was released in October 1967, and it was apparently initially misspelled on the label as A Question of Temperature. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! This hit number 37 on the Hot 100, so top 40. Go, guys. Yeah. Uh, the Balloon Farm formed in New Jersey, but lead singer Mike Apple had played in a bunch of bands with nuggetsy names, like the Humbugs, the Camelots, the Unforgiven, and that's the number four, but spelled out, <laughs> um, and Tex and the Checks, who you might recall went on to record An Invitation to Cry uh, uh, under a different name. I forget who it was. The oh, Magicians? The, uh, the Magicians. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so everything is connected again. But Apple formed the Balloon Farm with Don Henney and Ed Schnug, who had been in a band called The Adams, where the gimmick was that, ev- was that everyone adopted the name Adam. It's an early, like, Ramones-style gimmick. Um, <laughs> and their only single was called Eve. So that's hilarious. <laughs> um, nudge, nudge. Where do you go nudge. from there, though? Well, you go to the Balloon Farm, apparently. Uh, yeah. so, the, so the Balloon Farm was specifically the name of a nightclub in St. Mark's Place in the East Village uh, in Manhattan, and apparently got its name from Dylan, who saw the club's silver Mylar balloons hanging everywhere and was like, this is a balloon farm! <laughs> 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 Okay. Other sources contend that Dylan imagines speech balloons hovering over the heads of the patrons, which seems equally likely, because who even knows with him? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, um, the Balloon Farmer were a mostly studio-only band conceived as a vehicle for playing original material, which was still a novel idea at the time, remember? 
Um, and the follow-up single, Hurry Up Sundown, which intentionally sounds absolutely nothing like this, flopped. And if that seems like a lot of information about the Balloon Farm, it's because there's a 10-page single-spaced history of the band on Mike Apple's website written by uh, a guy named Mike Sachs. So thank you, Mike Sachs. We humans are so hungry for information. (laughs) (laughs) When are they going to get to the Balloon Farm? (laughs) So a question of temperature. It's got that Nuggets fuzz guitar. Mike pointed it out once, and now I can't not hear it in every song on Nuggets. I like the riff. It's very original. And I like that four on the floor drum beat. It sounds a lot like Motown. It's not as hard hitting, but it's part of the way there. And I like that sound. And it just tries to be different from the other songs on Nuggets, although I guess it didn't know that Nuggets existed at the time. (laughs) Uh, It's not going to be my favorite song of all time, but I like it a lot. See, what really throws me for a loop about this song is that I can only, I can only, my only points of reference for this song are things that came later. Like, I, I can't imagine what this sounded like when it came out, but it sounds like synth pop to me. And, and it's it's from a time... A, I think there's a synth pop era cover of it, too. Um, I wouldn't be surprised, it. because it's it's written like a synth pop song. It's it's very cold, and it takes this very detached, uh, clinical look at the subject of love. And uh, it's got... I think that's a theremin in there. I don't it know is. what's making... It definitely yeah. is, yeah. Because I found out I... from that extensive 10-page history, <laughs> I know everything about the balloon farm, I swear. <laughs> and I, I don't know what's making those like little bit-bit noises in the background. But it's like synthesizers, I don't think were even... Maybe synthesizers existed at this, at this point, but a, a band on the level of the balloon farm was not going to have access to them. So it's like it's... They were making synth pop before synths were really a thing, in bands anyway. So that's that's really neat to me. And I think it's just a cool song. It's got a cool arrangement. I love the um, organ line especially. Uh, but underneath, is it a state of mind? It just it, just how it swells. Yeah. I love big swelling organs like that. Yeah. I, I intentionally <laughs> phrased that so you don't so it didn't have swelling organ in it. Ah, <laughs> uh, sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. Uh I was actually hoping you would say that. Okay. Um <laughs> We're all we're all just, just pawns in your master plan. Let's go to track 20, Made of Sugar, Made of Spice. And just to clarify, not even snarkily, that is M-A-I-D of Sugar, M-A-I-D of Spice by Mouse and the Traps. They're back. By popular demand? This one's good, though. It is. first heard from mouse in the traps way back on disc one as mouse with the uh, with the dylan uh, homage slash parody slash ripoff uh, a public execution uh, and in this case it turns out that ripping off tombstone blues is a much better idea than ripping off positively Fourth street <laughs> <laughs> i like this one a lot more than a public execution <laughs> it feels much less like a i joke. didn't hear that but you're absolutely right 
I always thought a uh, public execution was trying to sound like uh, like a Rolling Stone, which I think was is a big part of its failure. If if you try to write a song, to, like it's not a terrible song if you hear it in isolation, like in a vacuum, but if you try to sound like like a Rolling Stone, you're just gonna fall flat on your face because everybody who hears it is going to be making that comparison in their minds. So this this song is immeasurably better than that one just because that's not trying to punch above its weight it's it's fine being just a just a straight ahead garage rocker so you can just you can just enjoy it on its own terms that's true this time they looked at highway 61 revisited and we're like oh wow song number one is like wait that's that's aiming too high let's go to number two yeah oh, yeah this is much more manageable <laughs> yeah <laughs> it, it is yeah definitely like tombstone blues feels like a more like more tethered to earth than like a rolling stone yeah and that's the farthest extent to which I'll be able to ever analyze Dylan. <laughs> I think you're absolutely right about Tombstone Blues. I didn't catch it, but it's it's absolutely there. I heard mid-60s Rolling Stones sort of as they're transitioning from blues covers to pop. Uh, the stinging lead guitar reminds me of Brian Jones, especially on the early Stones single, I'm a King Bee. It's got a gravelly lead vocal, and it's just got some great energy. Uh, a lot of nuggets, at least for me, they're fun, but I kind of roll my eyes at the earnestness, but not this one. It's quick and it's mean. Yeah, it's a good one. It is. You you, you surprised me, Mouse. Good job, Mouse in the trash. <laughs> and, and Phil apparently has an entire collection of their, of, <laughs> yeah. of their music, because of course he does. I think he mentioned it in the first episode. Phil, who just like bought a box set of every Foghat album? No way. <laughs> Foghat 5 is no Foghat 2 but I, I have no idea what their albums are called um, so track 21 is You Ain't Tough T-U-F-F by The Uniques Tough was released in 1966. The Uniques were based in Louisiana and recorded most of their material in Tyler, Texas. And this one's kind of an oddball entry because it's kind of a footnote in the larger career of country artist Joe Stampley, who has released more than 60 albums and, in fact, took a cover of the Uniques' uh, more popular single, All These Things, to the very top of the country charts in 1976. And that's not the only time he did that. Doesn't Phil have all 60 uh, Joe Stampley albums? Probably. I this is probably surprised. another case where Phil has the complete discography. <laughs> Does he actually? I have no. I, I had never heard of Joe Stampley. I had. I read about him in the description of the Uniques, and I had to look it up to make sure that Wikipedia wasn't just messing with me. That that guy did <laughs> exist. It turns out he does. Uh, it sounds like we're making fun of Phil's completionism, but like we all have it too. And he's gonna listen to yep. this and think and say, "Yeah, I'm awesome." <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, anyway, I would say that this song is not particularly unique. In fact, whereas A Question of Temperature Ooh. is one of the most unique songs on Nuggets, this is one of the least unique on the sliding scale of uniqueness. 
I'm just trying. <laughs> I'm just trying to annoy prescriptivist grammarians here, which I love to do. I'm was, a big fan of most unique. <laughs> I was I was voted most unique in in high school. My my picture for the uh, for the superlative page had me with a bag over my head. <laughs> but this is th- this song is uh, is a variation on a basic theme that began a few songs ago with "So What" by the lyrics. It's another uh, harmonica-driven rant against somebody who thinks they're hot stuff, but they're really not. And I I like this one a little better than that one, but just because it has a little more going on. It's got that nice uh, it's got that nice shift to a to a minor chord on the chorus, and there's that there's that twangy vibrato guitar that that adds a little bit to it, a little extra flavor. So I'd give this the edge, just barely. I like them both a lot. This is this is Gloria, right? Kinda. Like, yeah. I, 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 I don't always catch the Gloria riff. I've proven that in past Nuggets episodes, but I catch it here. I mean this this is the Gloria riff. Uh but I like it. It's it's more awesome harmonica, as Mike pointed out. And I hear Dylan this time around, not the cool Highway 61 Dylan, but kind of like the the good but very easily parodied nasal acoustic Dylan. Uh, you have that kind of lead vocal and very simple chords, uh, but it's short and sweet, and it does what it does just right. But it is it is Gloria. All roads lead back to Dylan, it, but it's true. I I hear a little bit yeah. of a uh, leopard skin pillbox hat in this one. One observation that I read that uh, just blew my mind was uh, was when I forget where I read it, but somebody pointing out that "I Got You, Babe" is is sung in a Dylan style, and I'm like, it is. Wow. Oh, his, yeah. His, yeah. Sonny Bono had just heard uh, It Ain't Me, Babe, and yeah. pro- and probably some other Dylan song where he says babe a lot, and he was like, I should write a song with babe in it. Yeah, it cannot be like, underestimated how much he was everywhere in the 60s, <laughs> like, yeah. just alongside the Beatles. That's funny, I mean, because, yeah, that, that, the title would be close to the same, but the message of the two songs is just so different. Yeah. Like, like all the irony is gone. All, all the nastiness is gone. It's just very, it's a great song. I got you, babe, but it's very straightforward and, and lovey-dovey. Well, well, we, we've gone down another musical rabbit hole. <laughs> it's what we do best. It's one of the most unique I, I rabbit just... holes we've gone down so far. <laughs> you get me started talking about Sonny Bono, and I just, I just can't stop. All right, let's go on to number 22, Sometimes Good Guys Don't Wear White by The Standells. Sometimes Good Guys Don't Wear White uh, by the Standells was released in 1966 as the follow-up single to their Dirty Water, which we heard back on Disc 1. It's the return of the Disc 1 bands. They're all coming back. Uh, This hit a a modest number 43 on the Hot 100. And um, I recall in the first episode of This Is Comp, all those many eons ago, I said that Dirty Water is basically the Standells' only song, and that was an act of journalistic (laughs) malfeasance. Because uh, this song also oh. exists, apparently. So sorry, to the Standells. <laughs> On the other hand, this song isn't about urban planning, so who cares? <laughs> Everyone who isn't rich. 
it, it's got that cool four chord vamp. It reminds me of Hang On Sloopy. Uh, so they, they picked a good formula there. And I like the progressiveness of the lyrics, but they're also kind of clunky and heavy handed. It's there's this Nuggets vibe that I, I know I'm missing where what's what sounds to Lenny K like raw, scraggly truth bombs <laughs> sounds to me like energetic mediocrity. Uh, if you hear it the way that Lenny and a lot of people hear it, that's awesome. I'm kind of envious. But as it is, I hear a, a decent rock song that, that understandably didn't shoot up the charts. I was actually introduced to this song via the cover version done by Minor Threat, which is, uh, if you haven't heard it, it's a surprisingly uh, faithful rendition. It's not, they speed it up a little bit, but it's not like your typical, you know, punk cover. Uh, the only real difference is that uh, Ian Mackay doesn't really have uh, the, the greatest way with carrying a tune, so it loses a lot of the vocal melody. Uh, so this song, you know, the original wins out for that reason and also it's got it's got cowbell and farfisa and that's always a good thing but uh <laughs> i like this one a little more than than dirty water i think uh but i might Boston. be alone there i must have heard the minor threat version because they i have their cd called complete discography unless it's false false advertising no it's it's everything they ever did but i think it's it's kind of near the end so oh i don't just... make it to the end of album it, it's it's a long CD. It's a short discography, but a long CD. So I mean, you might have tuned out by then. This one sort of reminds me now that I think about it of "Not Your Stepping Stone" by the Monkees. Because when you said that this one was covered by uh, is Minor Threat a punk band? Yeah, and they also covered oh. uh, "Not Your Stepping Stone." Oh, did they? Yeah, because I thought that the Sex Pistols did too. But I, I think I don't they know did. Yeah, about Minor Threat. So and yeah, it's got "Not Your Stepping Stone" is kind of based on a similar chord progression, or at least just a series of chords rather than a real riff. Yeah. But it works, and I guess it translates well to punk. It does. So let's go to number 23, She's My Baby by The Mojo Men, or as fellow Discord and Rhyme host Will referred to them in another episode as The Moho Men, which I'm never going to let him forget for really no good reason. Mm, fuzz. Fuzz. Man with She's My Baby, which makes me think of She's Your Baby by Ween, because uh, everything makes me think of Ween. <laughs> so She's My Baby was released in 1966. Uh, so the Mojo Men are our third and final disc one band making a comeback in this very specific stretch of disc three. And their previous song was Sit Down, I Think I Love You, which makes me think of Ween's Don't Laugh, I Love You. So. <laughs> So this one specifically reminds me of Roadhouse Blues by The Doors, uh, though that oh, yeah. might just be a very standard riff. I don't know blues very well. Uh, and then The Fuzz shows up, which, as you heard, Mike and I were very excited about. I don't know about Ben's opinion of Fuzz. Um, he might be more neutral on it. I don't 
I like it. Okay, now good. that I hear it in every nugget, I like it. <laughs> yeah, and it's what's such wonderful fuzz too, uh, fuzz bass among the best on the on the entire set. And I really like the drumming too. So that's really my input is that uh, they remind their song titles remind me of Ween, and I like individual elements of their song of their music. It's it's lyrical fuzz, whether it's guitar or bass. I mean, they didn't just they didn't just go with a gimmick. They did something with it. Um, I love the lyrics in this song, or at least I'm befuddled by them. Um, she's nobody's model, but she's so doggone fine. Is that a compliment? <laughs> I don't really know. And then there's the the all-time greatest. She talks like my sister, walks like my brother, looks like my father, but cooks like my mother. <laughs> I, I, I don't know, but I wish I had come up with that. Um I wish the song had a more memorable chorus that they're just kind of stretching out the title, but it's a fun song. I like it. I just, I, I like how different this song is from the other Mojo Men song on Nuggets. They're, they're completely yeah. different. And if you, if you heard these songs and, and didn't know anything about the Mojo Men, which I, I don't really. So if you heard these songs by themselves and you were told they were by the same band, you, you, know, you might, you might not even know they were the same band. And after hearing them, you would have no idea what the real sound of the band was. Like, what are they? Are they like a? Are this? Are they the sort of slot bucket garage rock band, or are they? You know, this very nicely arranged band with an accordion doing "Sit Down, I Think I Love You." We don't know. <laughs> but this is a. This is kind of a. It's kind of a generic nugget, but I like the the standard nugget sound so it's fine with me i enjoy it the lyrics put it over the top for yeah me. i mean it is generic but they just blow my mind so i'll, I'll give it yeah that. and i do like that extra little chord they they throw in on baby well that well that brings us to the end of this stretch it does one more episode to go in disc three let's roll some credits what do you call this record with all these songs Thank you for listening to This Is Comp, part of the Discord and Rhyme podcast. If you'd like early access to these episodes, visit our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash discord pod and pledge at the $3 level or above. Our opening theme is performed by the Hector Collectors, and you can find more of their music at thehectorcollectors.bandcamp.com. The closing theme you're hearing right now is performed by Kenneth Crayley, and you can find his own music at Kenneth Crayley, that's K-R-A-Y-L-I-E, dot bandcamp.com. And his band Casinos at, I don't know if you're going to hear a theme here, casinos.bandcamp.com. Music for the theme was originally and unwittingly composed by Andy Partridge of XTC, with new lyrics by Adam Smith of the Hector Collectors. Visit our website, discordpod.com, for more info about the show and a list of upcoming episodes. You can follow us on Twitter at, at @discordpod. Follow me at benjaminm1019 and Rich at Zone Trope. You can also listen to my solo music podcast Detours wherever fine podcasts are downloaded from. See you for the next batch of nuggets and be ever wonderful.